The whole family was targeted and 17 members were killed. Since 2007, astronomers have been trying to figure out where some very strange radio waves seemingly are coming from in space. So where are they really coming from? These radio signals, that's what they appear to be, are called fast radio bursts. And it's been suggested regardless of bursts likely came from a source near the constellation of Aquarius, about 5.5 billion light years away, and passed through a magnetic field. What does all that mean? That was read earlier by Dr. Dushan Warner and Astrophysicist at West Virginia University, who was part of the team who first discovered these fast radio bursts.
Well, my brethren and sistren, like a snow leopard fresh from the kill, the slam chasm is a beast that comes at you rare and bloody. The folks who live hereabouts have no stomach for dainty comestibles. They like to feed upon rituals that are vital and visceral with various vitamins. All this gabbing about gluttony puts me in mind of my friend Farbner Val, who, as you may know, owns a large small holding of medium size on the other side of the side of the hillside. Farmer Raval and I go way back. Many's the time I have helped him harvest scarecrows from among those who have got lost and wandered into the slam chasm. Perhaps that's why he once told me the following tale. Something in the nature of a confession, if you will. You see, some time ago, Nerval made a discovery. It all began one evening when he was taking his pet lobster, Tebow, for an evening stroll around the fields. The bright blue ribbon he was using as a leash broke, and the precocious crustaceans scuttled away into a thicket of bracken. My friend Nerval gave chase, and soon found himself ankle-deep in a warm, thick, red liquid. Now, Farmer Nerval is no stranger to blood. I don't imagine there are many folks around these parts who are. But he had never seen it bubbling straight up from the ground before, like seepage from some oil well of agony. He got down on his knees in the gore and began to dig with his bare hands. And what did he find? Well, stick around, listeners, and I shall tell you. This next number is dedicated to all the world's lonely scarecrows. Producer such as Oprah Winfrey would want to beak stick on anything to do with Adrian Charles. I mean, he's just a shooting star, isn't he? Rising, rising glory, a continuous lead. You know, he left ITV in a hail of, uh, of stardust and is uh, making his way on up to Hollywood. A real face that fits in, you might say. Yeah, and I think that's going to be his next film, mm. the face that fits in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be. He's going to be directing his life story, and it's just about how how his face just fits into various holes, mm. you know. And of course, that's a, a talent he discovered when he was a, a six year old boy, and uh, playing on the schoolyard, and uh, 
the boys kicked the ball the ball over the yard and uh, he had to stick his face through a hole to see where it was. This is one of the fantastic things about Adrian Charles and it's one of the things that I, I suppose distinguishes his career from uh, from others uh, is that his face is... Mark Pugach. From Mark Pugach. Yeah, Mark Pugach particularly who has a very static face. Uh, I mean, it, that, it, his is the face that doesn't fit in. Yeah, I mean, you, you, do you remember those things you had as a child? You know, the little the star hole and the square hole. Mark Pugach was like trying to shove a star in a square hole. Always, you know, he, he's never he never seems to fit in anywhere. But Adrian Charles' face has, you know, I'm not sure what, what it is about the, you know, the the makeup of his chemistry, but uh, his face just fits in every hole, and it's um, you know, it's fantastic for him. Hello? Derek. Yes. What's up, dude? Who's that? Oh, Kurt. Hold on one second. Okay. Alright. Hello? Hey, bud. Bro! What's up? Dude, what's up? Hey. Hey! Fuck, my phone's fucking up. Hey, did you get the boot off? Dude! Mission accomplished. No way. Gnarly. What are you going to do if the cops show up? Dude, I don't know. Oh, dude, let me tell you what happened, bro. It was so fucking gnarly. What happened? Broad daylight. I break out. Imagine standing up, right? Uh-huh. These bolt cutters were were half my height, bro. For real? For real. From, the, from, from my foot, they went up to like right below my armpit. Holy fuck. <laughs> they were so gnarly. These bolt cutters had to have... Bull cutters this big have to be registered with the FBI to own them. Holy fuck. Seriously. I had a friend of mine. Well, I told you about my friend down at the U-Haul. Yeah. They, they need those locks because the, the, the government goes into those storage places uh, frequently, you know? Yeah. Sometimes people, they auction off the shit, or if they think this guy's a drug dealer, they'll go in, you know, and they, they need the bull cutters there, so that's how they were authorized to have these big motherfuckers. Right. So I called my bro, he gave me a ride down there. These fucking things went, like, right below my armpit. They were that gnarly. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so, right? So I'm cruising down the street in broad daylight with these fucking, with these, uh, with these, uh, this fucking, uh, these bolt cutters, like, slung over my shoulder, you know, like I'm carrying some skis or Well, friends, Farmer Val lost no time in hurrying back to his homestead, returning his wayward lobster child to its aquarium, grabbing his shovel and his two boys, Jeremiah and Billiam, and heading straight back out into the night. He dug a hole wide enough to swallow a sperm whale, deep enough to confound an entire orchestra of double basses. And as the sun rose the next morning, he and his two sons stood back, wiping the sweat from their brows with blood-befouled neckerchiefs. For all around them was meat. Enough meat to sate a carnival of carnivores. Enough meat to feed a battalion of beef-eaters. Enough meat to keep the wolf from Nerval's door for the rest of his life, and for the wolf itself to never go hungry again. They filled trailers and trash cans, wheelbarrows and water pails, but still the meat kept coming. They hacked at it with their shovels and scraped great gobs of it out of the ground with their hands. And it was lean, and it was fresh, and, well folks, it was still warm, 
Wonderfly holiday to celebrate a freshly crucified Christ. started the day as I normally do by clearing up all the little bags of dog dirt on the mat by the front door. At least none of them are on fire this morning, mother always used to say back when she had those lovely lips for kisses. It always made me laugh when she said that. (laughs) Today was an especially good Friday, as Papa was rumoured to be descending upon us a rare visit of me, Peter. I can't remember the last time I peeped Papa. Whenever I do unhorse my mind into the past parts, my brain just discharges its milky black and red-striped anger spikes until I hurl myself out of it. Last time I came round, I had eaten through my wrists. Daddy, no! I wanted to look my best for Papa's Easter visit, so sojourn to what is left of my bathroom. Clearing the bits and bones out of the way, I spotted the message I had written on the mirror to remind my mind. Clever me. Don't forget to finish Mother's Happily Ever Easter card. It memorandumed. Oh yes, of course. Bye. Bye. 
And his face will always fit into that hole. Yeah. Even if he reinvented it. I suppose it's a shame, really, that he wasn't a better-known actor when they made Terminator 2, because you would have thought he would be perfect for the part of the bad uh, robot. You know? Yeah, it would have been a very low... It wouldn't have cost any money. No. You know, he would have just done that. It would have been... You would have had to paint him, paint him silver. Yeah. Because, of course, he's... He's pink yeah. and got human skin. I mean, Adrian's a lovely chap, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind being painted silver. Fireman Raval and his boys spent their next two months cutting deeper and deeper into the hillside. Around the entrance to this vast enclave of entrails formed the crust of a scab through which Nerval, Jeremiah, and William would descend with their pickaxes, cleavers, and chainsaws every evening, like needles stabbing into an overworked hole on some enormous junkie's arm. Great humid clouds of pink-red mist belched from the mouth of the meat mine into the cold, clear night air as the farmer and his brood toiled ever downwards. They found rich, marbled seams of sirloin steak, sinuous strata of sinew, and hemorrhaging hallways that led to carnal caverns of cartilage. Gargantuan rib bones vaulted the ceilings of red atria of arteries suspended over steaming lakes of grue, and the butcher miners danced with their chainsaws around ballrooms of brisket, bedecked with great chandeliers of gristle. They loaded trucks with their spoils, sent them off to feed the ravenous folks of the town and the surrounding countryside. And the meat? There was no end to the meat. Lies. 
Yog Sokoth, evil one, that's another demon. Come forth and taste the blood. Infant and trails are hung upon the twisted cross. Dude, these guys are out there. This is the insane. This is when I go, whoa. I read the book Necronomicon, and I was like, these guys are out there. Churning Sea of Absu. The Sea of Absu is basically the... the, the, um, the, the the Sea of Absu is basically the vastness between the stars and between the planets, just that black nothingness out there. Yeah. It's space, man. That's, that's the Sea of Absu. Churning Sea of Absu, which is a, a demon in and of itself. Do you want to touch me? And I've got some friends on tonight, very well known friends, who are going to see us out in style. Oh, DLT caught in Savile Pro. Weather forecast of Fred Talbot's behind bars tonight. Rolf Harris's little toy. Happy New Year! Gary Glitter, he's the leader of the game. I've been told by my lawyers to say nothing at all. Is it Sir James or Sir Jimmy? No, it's Jimmy. The picture gets grim. Just so that you understand the situation. Yesterday, I was subject to a dawn raid. The police came in, we had a cup of tea, and a chat. They said, we are arresting you. And, and I said, oh, that's great news. Abu Qatada. When did you start going on school trips? Do you remember your first school trip? Do you remember your last school trip? What type of trips were they? No comment. Great voice, though. Great voice, Fred. Great voice, Fred. He's our weatherman, Fred Talbot, changing places with Gary for charity ages ago. This is Chris Denning with you right through until five o'clock. My key age of attraction is about about 15 or 16, actually. I am a 14-year-old boy in a 68-year-old horrible body. Denning was also close friend with the producer... Jonathan King. If I arrive at the gates of heaven and St. Peter says, you can't come in here. Mr. Will you apologise on camera to your victim? I'll break his thumbs. If you do hear anything about me, will you please let me know? I have no comment to make at this stage. The religious department at the BBC once asked me if I'd write a book. Already entered by Mr. Hall. I'm working on the glitter on the inside. I'm very close friends with a lot of these people. It's that sort of touching I want to talk about. Why wouldn't you I've, even say sorry I've, to I've no comment. Girls are very grateful for doing travel. Time for me to do the boys. No comment. The picture gets grim. Get as much of your mouth inside as you can. Access to unlimited points. You were too young, or much too young, you know. Squeezing the boobs of a couple of women. I'm all for girls. Was it done out of much? King's seduction packs. The picture gets grim. Cross examination of ten charges of child. During the 
Three women gave the youngest victim counseling. The numbers are bewildering. 450 people are newly sacked. A predatory Well, my friends, all bad things must come to an end. One day, as the blood-soaked farmer and Val bore ever further into the raw, twitching tissue, he came to realize that above the noise of his chainsaw could be heard the sound of an even louder, ever-quickening pulse. And as he slipped and slid between the wet, quivering masses of muscle, which parted like enormous beef curtains to bid him enter the next chamber of chops, the sound of the blood pumping around him drowned out even the sound of his own blood hammering in his eardrums. And quite suddenly, his chainsaw struck something tough. Something that moved. And as he forced his chainsaw into it, it ripped the tool from his hands and drowned its motor in gallons of viscera. But the damage had been done. Nerval had found the very heart of the meat mine, and his chainsaw had severed its ventricles. The huge, collapsing organ spasmed and heaved for two days and two nights, but eventually it shuddered to a terrible halt. And that was the death of the thing. What that thing was, I do not know. Did it have a mind? Did it have dreams? And if it had nightmares, well, I'm pretty sure Farmer Nerval must have been in a few of them. He had profited from the mine, and he and his sons had grown corpulent on its flesh. But in some ways it had its revenge, for almost as soon as the thing died, it began to decay. It putrefied and stank, turning Nerval's property into a festering pit of rotting meat. Great snowdrifts of maggots swept across the fields, and foul liquids oozed down the hillside in glaciers of pus. And it is like that still. Even Nerval's lobster refuses to leave the house. It is a place blighted with disease, a place where nothing will grow. And Nerval? Well... He makes his money these days from selling the eggs of the fat vultures that live on his farm now. They seem to be the only things that thrive in that particular part of the slam chasm. Chasm.